I am closer to 40 than I am to 30, but if I'm in the same room or vicinity with my mom and I'm about to leave and go somewhere, I still get this. Did you remember your jacket? Do you have your wallet? Do you have money for the thing? Oh, you're going somewhere that's muddy. Did you remember your boots? I still get that. And I probably always will. My mom really loves me. And if I'm, she's a, we're about to part company, she wants to make sure that I have everything that I need, that the most important things are taken care of. And she, just, she cannot turn off that part of her brain. I think that's a pretty good way to think about the end of almost every letter that the Apostle Paul sends. There's always pretty much the, don't forget to wear your jacket, part of the letter, where the Apostle Paul's just got the one thing, that he, the most important thing, the thing that he wants to remember, or he wants them to remember, he wants to make sure that these people that he loves are doing. And so he makes sure to get that in at the end and is always really strong, really emphatic. And in the book of Philippians, which we've been going through, the theme is rejoice, be content, be at peace. The Lord is at hand. Everything is good. God has got this. Jesus came. He died. He rose again. Everything is like, okay, I'm in prison. It's okay. I know how to be content in prison. You guys are feeling persecution, persecutions, problems for the first time. It's okay. Keep the big picture in your mind and rejoice. Be content. That is the one thing that he wants to leave them with. And so we started going with Pastor Jake through the end of Philippians last week. And it kind of divides up into a little formula for how to rejoice, how to be content, how to have a mind that is at peace. And the first part of it, which Jake took us through last week, is putting off something. Today we're going to talk about putting on something, doing something. Last week it was get rid of something. Do not be anxious. Get rid of your anxieties. Give them to God through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Make your requests known to God and you'll have peace. You'll have a supernatural peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So get rid of your anxieties. In a sense, empty your mind. But as Christians, we're not Buddhists. We don't just empty our minds. We fill them up with something. So this week, we know what we're not supposed to think about. The Apostle Paul is going to teach us, teach the Philippians, what they are to think about, how they are supposed to order their minds. And so let's go ahead and read from Philippians 4, starting with verse 8. We're just going to read verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for your mercies. Thank you for your mercies on Church of the King. Thank you for all the many good gifts that you've given us. Thank you for Xander being born this week. I pray that you'd bless the Shudi family, help him to be healthy, help them not to have any 
complications due to him coming a little early. I pray that Chris would be healthy and that the girls would be obedient and helpful. Thank you for all your mercies. Thank you for providing for us. We do pray on the anniversary weekend of Roe versus Wade that you would do away with the wickedness of abortion in our country and have mercy on us. Pray now that you would bless the words of my mouth. Let me be a help to God's people today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we're putting off something. We're getting rid of our anxieties. We're giving them to God. And we're putting on something. We're ordering our minds. We're thinking in a certain way. And we're going to go through today each of these whatevers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, and talk about each one and how they should affect our thinking, how, how they should help us order our minds. But before we even get there, I think we have to make the point that we can and we should order our minds. God really cares about what we think about. God wants us to think about certain things. He does not want us to think about other things. And he commands us to think in certain ways, and he gives us the power through his spirit to think in certain ways and to not think in certain ways. And I guess that's pretty obvious. Like, nobody here is like, well, I thought I was allowed to just think about whatever I want. You know, nobody, nobody disagrees with that. I didn't just say something that's all that controversial, I don't think. But I don't know. When I think about my own heart, when I think about my own mind, I don't often live as if this is true. And I doubt that many people in here actually do, not like we should. I remember when I was about 16, I was at a sleepover with my friends. I don't know if people have sleepovers anymore, but we had sleepovers back in my day. And everybody had gone to bed. It was like four in the morning. We were all in our sleeping bags in my friend's basement. Everyone was asleep except for me and my friend. And suddenly I hear my friend say, two weeks, just out of the blue in the dark. We've been lying in silence for 10 minutes. And then I just hear a voice say, two weeks. And I'm like, what? And he's like, I know you're still awake, Nathan. Two weeks. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? And he said, can you go two weeks without thinking about movies, or watching movies, or talking about them. I'm like, I'm, I'm asleep, it's, it's okay. I don't remember actually how the conversation went, or what we talked about, or whether I didn't watch movies for two weeks, but I remember the rebuke. My friend was a godly young man, he was not a stick in the mud, he liked movies. But, and I don't even know that it was principally that he wanted me to be godly and not just think about movies. Uh, he was just tired of the fact that for this whole sleepover, I had probably only thought and talked about movies and driven every conversation to be about movies because that really was, at that age, the only thing that I thought about. Now, do I mean that that was actually the only thing that I thought about? Yes, <laughs> that was the only thing. I got up, I thought about it. I went to bed, I thought about it. I went to the Save-A-Lot uh, uh, VHS store because this was in, there were dinosaurs and stuff. I went to the VHS store and I got like a, there was a five for 10 deal or 10 for five, I think. So you could rent 10 VHSs from the store and you could bring them home and for five bucks. And so I would get all the movies from one director and one genre and watch them and talk about them. It was the only thing that I cared about. It was what I daydreamed about. It was what I slept. It was what I ate. 
It was just everything to me. I did not think about anything else. I didn't do anything else with my brain. And my friend felt oppressed by that. My friend was not always rebuking me about stuff. That's the one rebuke I remember him ever giving me because he was just tired of it. Now, that's probably an extreme example, but how many people in this room are actually like this with their own thing, with their own entertainment, with their own distraction? I mean, we know people... I don't know, I can think of so many examples. You know, we, 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 we all know the older man, you know, the dad or the grandpa, who's really hardworking, but he always has to have the project going, and it's the only thing that he thinks about. And on the weekends, he's, he's going to, uh, what do they call the store, Menards or something, and going back and forth. And if he runs out of, you, you know, he's got to do the deck, and then he's got to varnish this thing, and then he's got to change this thing. And if he runs out of the things to do, then it's, well, honey, maybe we should redo the kitchen. There's that guy whose mind is always occupied. His mind, he... he, he he only thinks about that. We, we all know the older woman, the aunt or the grandma, whose life just revolves around her children and grandchildren. That is the only thing that she thinks about, that she prays about, that she goes to bed with it on her mind and wakes up. And if you talk to her, you will hear stories only about her kids, about her grandchildren, right? Is, is it bad to do house projects? Is it bad to watch movies? Is it bad to care about your children? Of course not. We all know people whose lives, whose thought lives, only revolve around a thing. And sometimes it's just an entertainment or a distraction. It's sports, you know, the person that can quote all of the sports. For, for young people, it's often fashion. And I don't mean fashion like clothing. It can be clothing. But oftentimes for young people, it's just, I want to be conversant in what is cool and what is what people are talking about, whether it's the latest I don't know, I'm a boomer. Whatever it's later, it's memes, things, you know, whatever it is, movies, personalities, celebrities, people want to only be conversant in those things. And those are the cool kids. You have the nerd kids, which I was one of those, who are only interested in, you know, their fantasy novels or uh, the, the stories that they're writing, you know, the Chronicles of Glitzendorf. I came up with this imaginary world and it's all I think about and I, I draw the things and I draw the characters, you know. So there's that category. There's the things that we distract ourselves with. And then there's our fears and our anxieties. We won't talk too much about that because we talked about it last week. But obviously there are those of us whose minds just revolve around the things we're afraid of, the things we're anxious about inflation, debt, COVID. There are people like, you know, I like Ben Shapiro, okay, but there are people like Ben Shapiro who make their living just making us anxious about the state of the world, right? You know, all the podcasters and gurus and kind of personalities want you to think a lot about that stuff. And then there's not fears and anxieties, but the things that we're bitter about, the things that we're angry about, the things that we wish would be the things that we fantasize about, sometimes good things. I wish I could buy my first house or have a girlfriend. Sometimes very wicked things that we fantasize about, sexual fantasies, whatever. We live whole lives, whole worlds inside our heads. Our desires, our insecurities, our fears, our anxieties, our pleasures. And oftentimes it feels like there's very little control that we can actually exert over that. Have you ever tried not to think about something? Have you ever told someone, don't think about something? Does it work? Do they think less about it? 
If someone tells you, don't think about this, do you spend the next two hours not thinking about it? Is that how that works? If you're trying, like, I need to think, I'm going to bed and I need to think about the things of God. I need to think about the Bible verse that I just read instead of what I'm doing tomorrow. Does it ever work? (laughs) I mean, I find it pretty hard. So this is a real challenge, if we're honest, being told we should think about this stuff or think in this way and not think about this stuff or not think in this way. This is hard. It's hard work. And it's especially hard if we think about it. Small picture, I think. Like, in the moment, I, can't, I need to think about the Bible and not the thing I'm anxious about. That's really hard. But maybe it's a little bit easier to think about it big picture. Like, like our minds are not like a, a speedboat that we can just be like, I'm veering this way. But maybe they are like a cruise ship that we can slowly turn over time towards a destination towards whatever it is that we should be thinking about. Well, we need to do both. There are times where we need to be like, I'm not thinking about that. I am thinking about this by God's power. And we need to order our mind big picture. We need to be proactive about our thought life, about the things that we meditate on, the things that we contemplate. And the Apostle Paul gives us the destination that we should be driving our cruise ship towards. He gives us these, I take it to be six whatevers. There is whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. And then kind of some statements to sum it up. If there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy about praise or worthy of praise, think about those things. So we are commanded to shape our brains by God's grace. Now God does the work, but you know, it's the chicken and the egg. God does the work and he commands us to do the work. And we have to do the work. So God will renew our minds. We have to have faith for it. And we're going to talk at the end of today about the very practical realities of the things that we can be doing to reshape our minds, to renew our minds by God's grace through his power. But first, let's talk about what we should be aiming at. And as we talk about these six whatevers, I don't just want you to think about them as the categories that we focus on. I want you to also think about it as the way that we think about the things that we focus on. So like if, you're cam- if your mind is a, is a camera, this is a clunky analogy, but bear with me. If your mind is a camera, then you can focus the camera. You can, I can point my camera at John and Sarah, get a beautiful picture of two beautiful people. And I can use certain lenses. I can use certain filters. Oh, John looks better this way. Oh, that does not improve John at all. Uh, So there's what I focus my camera on, and then there's the filters that I use. And let's think about each of these whatevers with both of those sort of mental categories, which will help us clear up some confusion, because if I tell you, you need to think about whatever is good, then you're like, well, in history class, we're studying about Hitler. Should I be thinking about Hitler? Yeah, sure but use the right filters. Yeah, your focus should be on something bad, but you should be filtering it correctly. And if all you do is read Nazi literature and think about Hitler, then maybe shift your focus a little bit. But we have to think about both things, right? So let's go through each of these six categories real quick. So first we have whatever is true. And that has the sense in 
the original language, whatever cannot be hidden, whatever is fact, whatever, whatever is true. And that's an interesting one to start with because, I don't know, do any of us like to think about lies? You know, I mean, I'm going to go find some, somebody to lie to me. Yes. <laughs> is that you, Ben? Pastor Ben says yes. Well, how do we, how do we think about lies? Do you have an example? Did you have an example? <laughs> so many ways. <laughs> if, you feel, if, you, if you feel insecure about something, you want someone to make you feel more insecure. Yeah, I, no, I think that sounds weird, but I think it's true. We want, yeah, right. We, we, we actually seek out the people that will lie to us often, right? The people that will flatter us, the people that'll say, your marriage is good. The people that, I didn't mean to look at you, Ryan, your, your marriage is good. Uh, the people that will tell us what we want to hear. Those are the friends that we make at school. Those are the people we talk to at work. Uh, what about the movies that we watch? Do you like to watch movies that tell you the truth about the way that God made the world? Do you like to listen to music that tells you the truth about the way that God made the world? Or, like I often do, do you like to listen to music that tells you fornication is good? Doing bad things is good. Or country music. Being poor and stupid is good. Those are lies! And we love them. We love to be lied to. We like to go on social media and we like to find the person, whether we're conservative or liberal or whatever, we want to find the person who supports our narrative of the way the world works. We don't care that much about what the truth of the story is. You know, maybe you don't like Joe Biden and there's a story about Joe Biden doing something good and you just don't want to believe it. Or you don't like Trump and there's a, Trump did something right and you just don't want to believe it. We look for lies all the time in what we focus on and in just in the way we filter reality. There are things that we don't want to see about ourselves, about the world around us. There are things that we don't want our children to see about the world around them. And so we filter things that way. What about the second one? Whatever is honorable. Honorable is an okay word for the translation, but what it means is something that you revere, or something that has weight. If you think about something that has weight, how much of your time do you spend giving your thoughts to things that have weight? A lot or a little? How much do you spend of your time thinking about things that are serious, things that are sober, things that have eternal value? I mean, if I just ask, how much do you read your Bible? then everyone in here probably feels guilty. Maybe not some of us, but I know I do. I don't like to think about the things of God and eternal things. I'd much rather think about movies or pleasures or the distractions, whatever it is, you know? I mean, there is like, okay, we'll pick on the old guy that just is always redoing his deck. That guy would rather think about his deck than think about the things that he's going to spend eternity one way or another thinking about. I don't know if anybody's familiar with the C.S. Lewis sermon, The Weight of Glory. C.S. Lewis basically says, anytime, you could be talking to the most boring person in the world, and when you're talking to them, you should realize you are talking to someone who in the future will be so glorious 
that if you saw them now that way, you'd be tempted to worship them, or so monstrous that your worst nightmare can't conceive of it. We are talking, he says, to potential gods and goddesses or abominations every time we talk about them. That is, that's the weight of glory in the sermon. It's a good sermon. You can Google it. Do we think about serious things? And do we filter our thoughts such that we think in a serious way, even about our pleasures, even about things that we enjoy? Does this mean we can never have fun? No. No, I like having fun. I like humor. I like silly things. I think everybody who knows me knows that. And I don't think, I don't think that this is a threat to that, actually. I think it's just a reminder that our lives should be anchored to things that matter. And we should be thinking about the people, our children, our parents, our spouses in our lives as people who matter, as eternal beings, as things with weight. We should be reading our Bibles. We should be praying. We should be thinking in a serious way. So all of that in whatever is honorable. How about whatever is just? Now that just basically means whatever is right or approved by God. Do we like to think about what's right and approved by God? Well, I don't know. Sometimes when I was a young person, when I was a teenager, I often didn't. And I especially didn't want people to know that that's what I was thinking about. Because it's just, it's not cool and edgy and hip to think about what's right. If anything, it's cool and edgy and hip. Yes, I'm looking at like a a little group of teenagers right now. Uh, It's cool and edgy and hip to think about what's wrong. To to, to, to indicate to your friends like, hey, I'm just a little bit more willing than you are to think about things that are not approved by God. Or to filter my thoughts in a crude way, in a vulgar way, in a sexual way towards things that aren't approved by God, which makes me more adult and more cool and more whatever. I mean, I still feel that way sometimes. I still just want to be more edgy than other people. I know that's not everybody, but that's me. And my entire life as a young person was just proving to everybody that I was a little bit farther down the road of not being approved by God. Because that felt cool. I don't know. Number four, whatever is pure. That means whatever is, that that word has like the sense in the original language of uncontaminated. Whatever does not have any mix of something bad. Well, again, kind of make the same point all over again, but how many of us just want to allow a little bit of contamination into our lives, into our speech? We just want to be a little vulgar. We just want to Let our eyes linger on something. Let our camera focus on something that we shouldn't for a moment. You know, we don't actually want to look at pornography if we're men, but we want to take that second look when we see the, you know, babe walking down the street. Or we just want to look for two seconds because we're okay with the focus of our minds being on something a little bit contaminated. And we think, you know, God, God won't make a big deal out of just a little bit of contamination. I can watch a movie that has a little bit of something contaminated. I can be a little bit bitter towards my husband. I can be a little bit angry towards my wife. I can filter my thoughts in such a way that I just, I allow a little bit of crudeness, of vulgarity, of ungodliness into them. Now, this next one's really interesting. Whatever is 
lovely. And that sort of means whatever is pleasing, whatever is agreeable, something that you move towards as opposed to something that you move away from. And that feels, that feels a little weird to be in the list because A, it feels a little bit object, uh, subjective. Like, well, okay, I think some things are lovely and some things are ugly. B, it feels what? Like uh, shallow or something? I guess it feels like, well, uh, yeah, obviously I like to go towards things that are agreeable to me. Yeah, obviously everybody likes the things that they find lovely. Like, what's the, what's the problem? Why, you, why even say this? It's kind of a duh. Well, okay, these are kind of boomer references, but I don't have any other kind. Ten years ago, I guess it's millennial references, whatever, whatever I am, Gen X references. Ten years ago, the, most, the three most popular television shows, which I'm sure many people in this room have seen, were Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, and Breaking Bad. And what's true about all three of those shows? The only thing that makes them interesting, and they're well-written, whatever, but the only thing that really gives, makes them compelling is they say, hey, you want to see something ugly? You want to see how bad people can be? You want to see how much we can betray each other? You want to see how gory it can be when a body is broken open? You want to see the kind of deviant sexual things that people do behind closed doors? Wouldn't that be entertaining and interesting and cool? Do you want to see it? You want to see it? You want to see something disagreeable? Something ugly? And everybody did! Those shows were really popular. My heart went towards some of them. Now, we're not here to talk today about storytelling and when and where you should include ugly and sinful things in your stories. If we did away with all stories that included sin, we'd have to do away with the Bible. So that's not what we're talking about. But understand that there is in the heart of everyone here the desire to see things that are ugly, to focus our camera on what is disagreeable. The most popular movie last week was Scream 5. They made five of those things now. Was it because people wanted to see something beautiful when you buy your ticket for Scream? Now, some of us like horror movies and things like that more than others. Some of us are more obvious about the way that we like ugliness. But what about the gossip that we tell each other? You know, hey, you want to hear the most disagreeable thing about our mutual acquaintance? Hey, you want to know something ugly about somebody? I don't know. There's just a market for ugliness. Our hearts are that wicked. We just really like ugly things. And we like good things in an ugly way. All right, number six, last one. Whatever is commendable. Whatever is of good repute, says another translation. Whatever is well reported of. And that kind of, I think, has the sense of we should be democratic, actually. If a bunch of people say that something's good, doesn't mean turn off your brain, doesn't mean don't be discerning. But if something is well reported of, if the people that you trust say it's good, your inclination, your first thought should be, oh, check that out. That's good. It's of good repute. People are commending it to me. Check that out. The filter that we look at life through should be, what are the good people around me engaging in? What are they focusing on? And how can that rub off on me? And that, by the way, is one of the reasons why Church of the King is so interested 
in community, interested in being with one another, just creating situations where we can rub off on each other. Because that's how you learn and grow. You just absorb what's good. And sometimes it can be as simple as, well, this godly person really likes this kind of music or this kind of movie or this kind of thing, and maybe I will too. They talk in this way. They season their conversation this way. So we have all those things, and then we have this catch-all. There's any excellence, there's anything worthy of praise, think about those things. So I don't know, everybody feel good? Got it? That's what you do with your brains that when you're going to bed at night. I keep going back to that because that's when my brain, I don't know about the ro- y'all, but that's when my brain slips into neutral and I just think about whatever it is that I really want to think about. Whatever it is that's actually on my heart always comes out as I fall asleep. So how do we change our minds? Paul says, think about these things. He commands it. If you want a heart of contentment, if you want to know the peace of God, Think about these things. How do, we, how do we think about these things? Well, first of all, God does have to do the work. And God is in the business of doing the work. He renews our minds. Scripture uses language like that all the time. God loves to make our brains and our hearts new. So pray and ask God to do that for you. Well, there's a few other things we can say in clothing. In clothing. In closing. Let's go back to my little camera, focus and filter. So this week, change your focus. Think about one of these categories, one of these six whatevers, and just think about something that you can move the camera from looking here to looking here. So I'm going to read more of my Bible. I'm going to read less TikTok. Just think of whatever it is for you, the thing that's that simple. This is a thing that makes me think bad thoughts. This is a thing that will help me make good, good thoughts. I am going to not focus on this. I am going to focus on this. Reading the news is really stressing me out. I'm going to read a little less news this week or read a different news source. No more Breitbart for me. Change your diet. Be really proactive about it. What's the bad brain food? What's the good brain food? Just think of one this week. Just one. Meredith suggested I use this example, so I'm not throwing her under the bus. She, this, this is just the example of something so simple and so stupid, because we are pretty stupid. We're, we're influenced by stupid things. I mean, so much of this is just realizing that the stuff that you watch and that you take in and that you talk about actually forms your character. It actually matters. So Meredith's stupid one was she... Oftentimes when she's doing work or whatever, she'll have a, a TV show in the background and it would be like Grey's Anatomy or like she loves shows or loved, I should say, shows about like high-powered young ladies who are like solving crimes or uh, doing surgeries or like Grey's Anatomy, Meredith Grey, it's, it's her namesake, uh, one of her favorites. And, and what she found is the more of that stuff she watched, the more she just felt discontent with her life. Like, what am, what am I doing as a housewife? Like, I, I didn't solve anyone's medical problem where they got some African virus and then a thing grew out of their forehead today. This, I'm, I'm worthless and I'm discontent and I don't like Nathan. Like, she, she actually found she was treating me badly and she traced it back 
She did the detective work, put on her little deer stalker hat, got her magnifying glass, and she traced it back to Grey's Anatomy. And so she stopped. And she still watches TV when she's working. But she watches something else. So do that stuff. You only watch shows about women who honor their husbands. And I don't know what you watch now. Some, some garbage. But <laughs> I hate your TV shows so much. All right, so that's your focus. Change your focus. Is there, I'm not even going to tell you to change your filter. I'm just going to tell you, choose one of these six things and then snap that filter on and off a couple times this week. Like if your filter is, uh, I don't know, pure, let's take an easy example. Just ask yourself a couple times this week, am I thinking about things that are pure? Am I thinking about things in a pure way? Am I discussing things purely with my spouse behind closed doors? Or am I just being a little bit more vulgar and trashy? Just, just a few times this week. Just, that's, that's it. Just click, 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 click. Think about it. I want to make two more quick applications. They come from verse 9. So let me read verse 9 again. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. We need community. We need to be spending time with people who think well. That is one of the biggest ways that you're going to rewire your brain, is just spending time with people whose brains are wholesome and just letting it seep into you. So make friends with godly people in this church. Spend time with them. Go to things. When we have our men's nights and our women's nights and our thingamabobbers and our lunches, and don't be the person who doesn't go to those things because you really need people to be absorbing into you, pouring into you. You, you need that, that work to happen. And that's why, you know, our catchphrase for Church of the King is like, follow the king, find community. That's why we're community, 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 together, 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 together. Because it's kind of like rising water raises all boats or whatever. I know that metaphor means something specific, but that's how the church works when it's healthy, is the good people kind of pull the weak people up a little bit. That's how a good friendship works. That's how a good mentorship, that's how good parenting works. So be around people. And what does that have to do with the verse? Well, the Apostle Paul says, imitate me. And the scripture is so full of this language. Jesus says it all the time. The Apostle Paul says it all the time. These guys just like aren't too proud to say, I'm good. My thoughts are wholesome. I'm thinking the right things. So imitate me. Imitate me. And then he says, practice. Practice these things. Which gives me a lot of hope. Because if it just said, do it, then, okay, but I don't. But it says practice, which means try, and then try again, and then fail, and then try again. When you're going to bed and your thoughts wander into a place that they shouldn't be, whatever it is for you, stop, reorient, pray, read a scripture, whatever, and then two seconds later, you'll be back to thinking about the bad thing. And that's why God sent Jesus. And that's why he died on the cross. And that's why he rose again. Because that's how wicked we are. So trust him. 
and then do it a second time, and then do it a third time. Just work on this stuff. That's why I kind of tried to reduce it to some simple things we could do this week, because this is overwhelming. I mean, this is just think perfectly, rewrite your entire brain and personality. This is too much for any of us. But God is good. He does renew our minds. And we can choose things to work on, and we can work on them by his grace. And the God of peace will be with you. God renews our minds. He rewards us for it. I mean, God is so cool. Like, I I just, I think about all these corny metaphors now because I have a little baby daughter. And it's like when we're trying to get her to do something, to obey, half the time we're like, come here, Theo, come here, Theo. And then Meredith picks Theo up, brings her over. So like the obedience was entirely just, Theo became a marionette for a second. And then the marionette comes over to me through, you know, none of her own power. And then I'm like, good job. Ah, you're the best. God actually is a father like that who delights in his children. He gives us the power. He works through it. And then he rewards us for it. And that is a great reward. The God of peace will be with you. Isn't that what we all want? The God of peace will be with you. Let me pray for us. Dear Father, I pray that you would renew our minds. I pray that you would give us humility and strength as we work on these things. I pray that where we, our consciences should be pricked, that they would be. I pray that no one would leave here in despair, though. I pray that we would have the faith to just practice these things. And thank you for your kindness. Thank you for giving us peace. Thank you for relieving us for our anxieties, from our anxieties. Thank you for commanding us to give our anxieties to you. Please do renew the mind and the heart of every person here this week. In Jesus' name, amen.